0: We're leading those beautiful songs tonight, and certainly they go along with our theme tonight of the heart. We're going to look at the heart of man tonight, but first of all, I want to extend um, my thanks to you for being here tonight. We're honored to have everyone who is present, especially those that are visiting with us. I do want to mention the flowers that are on the baptistry behind me. Uh, I wanted to announce this this morning, but I didn't notice they were here till I was almost done with my sermon. Uh, these flowers are are given in honor of uh, Kirk and Alicia Hunt's wedding yesterday. I hope I didn't mispronounce anything. I think I got everything straight. They were married yesterday and we have a real live Brady Bunch now and uh, we certainly want to congratulate them and their family and uh, we certainly rejoice with them. You know, one of the major causes for the rejection of the truth of God's word is the hardening of the heart. It is a closed mind. It's a complete unwillingness to submit regardless of the evidence. You know, many times today, truth is rejected not because it has not been presented, not because opportunity was denied to hear it, but simply because the the heart of man was so tightly closed that he would not be convinced. I'm having trouble with a PowerPoint tonight, so I'm just ignoring it. Y'all can just take it off the screen if you want to. So I want us to look at the heart of man tonight, and I want us to realize that it's not until an individual possesses a heart that is honest and is open to the truth, paying a, testimony, paying attention to the testimony and the evidence of the truth that good fruit ultimately, can be produced in one's life. There's some text that I want to refer to tonight, and I appreciate Rob uh, singing those songs that talked about the heart of man and the importance of the heart. But I want you to take note tonight, if you will, of a few texts as we begin tonight, talking about those who harden their heart. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 52, the Bible says, They considered not the miracle of the loaves. Why? For they hardened their hearts. Some would not even be impressed with the reality of the miracles that Jesus did. It wasn't because the miracle was fraudulent. It wasn't because the miracle wasn't real. It wasn't because they had not witnessed the miracles and seen the miracles. It was simply because they determined in their heart They were not going to believe. Or in Mark chapter 8 and verse 17, the Bible says, And when Jesus knew it, he said to them, Why reason you because you have no bread? Do you not perceive? Do you not understand? Do you have your heart hardened? Here we find a rebuke by Jesus. Jesus. Provisions had not been brought and they obviously thought that none could be brought and even though these had witnessed the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 with just a few loaves and a few fish, their comprehension, their trust, their confidence in Christ was still confused. And Jesus said it's because they had a hardened heart. Or in Mark chapter 16 and verse 14, the Bible says, Afterward, Jesus appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. He upbraided them because of their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe them which had seen him after he was risen. You see, even as late as after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it seems the apostles were still dealing and suffering with a hardness of heart. It caused them to have doubts, and it caused them to have unbelief. Or in John chapter 12 and verse 40, the Bible says, "...He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts." That they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. Here is yet another instance of people that were allowing their heart to be hardened. And certainly we read of warnings even in the New Testament against the hardening of the heart. For example, in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says that we are to exhort, encourage one another daily while it is called today. Why? Lest any of you become hardened because of the deceitfulness of sin. I think a similar thought is presented in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 where the Bible talks about those whose consciences have become seared as with a hard, hot iron. To me, it's a fearful matter to consider that a person can be so hardened against the truth of God that the saving message of the gospel will make very little, if any, impression on their heart. You see, an individual can become just like the hard ground that we read about in the parable of the sower. Even though the seed of the gospel is planted there, it won't germinate, it won't take root because of hardness. That's why the wise man said in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 14, Happy is that man. Who fears always, but he that hardens his heart shall fall into mischief. And when we look at the scriptures and study the scriptures, we learn the ultimate condemnation that's going to take place to those who have a hard heart. According to Romans chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, those who harden the heart are going to be the recipients of the wrath of God and his judgment of condemnation. So I always want to be on guard in regard to this matter. I never want my heart to become hardened against the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to ask this question now, and that is, uh, let's look at the hardening process. How does the human heart become hardened? Now That's not eating at Vicky's Hamburgers that causes the arteries to become hardened. We're not talking about that kind of hardening. But how does the heart of man, his thinking, his conscience, his very being, how does the heart of man become hardened? Does it happen all of a sudden? Is it a gradual process? Is it accomplished by oneself alone? Or are there additional factors involved in the hardening of the heart? Now Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 teaches us that that we learn from things that have been written aforetime. That is, we can learn from the record of those lives who lived before us and whose lives are recorded in the Old Testament. And we turn to the Old Testament and we read about a man whose heart was hardened. And I think if we'll look at the text tonight that talks about this man and we see how his heart was hardened, and we notice the process here, I think we can find an answer to at least most of our questions. The man that I'm going to refer to tonight is Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Egypt was, in fact, the most powerful nation in the world at that particular time. Pharaoh had many people under his dominion, including all the children of Israel who were in bondage. And you may recall the story about how God called Moses from the burning bush, the bush that was not consumed by fire. And God told Moses to go back to Egypt and to stand before Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. He was charged with the responsibility to lead Israel to freedom. Now, the events included in this involve the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. When we turn to Exodus chapter 7 and 8, the Bible tells us how Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And I want to suggest to you tonight that there are three factors involved. First of all, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. If you look at Exodus 7 and verse 3, God said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Secondly, I want you to notice that the magicians in Pharaoh's court contributed to the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. If you look at Uh, Verse 22 of Exodus chapter 7. The Bible says the magicians did so with their enchantments. That is, they were seemingly able to duplicate what Moses was able to do. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken or listen unto them as the Lord had said. And then thirdly, I want us to notice that Pharaoh was involved in hardening his own heart. We read in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 15, When Pharaoh saw that there was no respite, he hardened his heart and did not listen. He did not hearken unto them as the Lord had said. Now very quickly tonight, I want us to notice the role of each of these in the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. I want us to notice the role that God played I want us to see the role that the magicians played. And then, of course, I want us to carefully observe the role that Pharaoh played in the hardening of his heart. First of all tonight, let's look at God's part. God's part in hardening the heart of Pharaoh simply consisted of making a demand on the king. That demand is found in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. Thus says Jehovah, the God of Israel, let my people go. Now, of course, this demand went against the political and the financial interest of Pharaoh and Egypt. It offended the pride and the power and the prestige of so great of a king, a powerful king. And Pharaoh refused to obey. Notice how Pharaoh said, who is Jehovah that I should obey his voice? Well, he's about to find out over the next few days exactly who Jehovah is. But God's part in hardening the heart of Pharaoh was simply to make a demand of him. Now we know that God later sent the plagues on the people and on the land of Egypt to bring about the recognition of his great power and to finally compel them to comply with what God wanted. And we know the story how that under the pressure and the inconvenience of the plagues that Pharaoh would temporarily relent, but once the plague was lifted, he seemed to change his mind he disallowed permission for the israelites to leave now i want us to notice tonight and i want you to notice that god did not force pharaoh to harden his heart god never one time removed from pharaoh the power of choice god never made it impossible For Pharaoh to comply with his command. All God did was make a demand of him. And and that demand necessitated the making of a decision. The making of a choice to either obey or disobey. You see, that was God's role in hardening the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Now quickly, let's look at the magician's part. The magicians played somewhat of a different role. You know, when Moses would perform some noteworthy deed, such as turning his rod into a serpent, or turning water into blood, or bringing frogs upon the land, the magicians seemingly could duplicate this particular deed. Now just how or by what power this was done or allowed We could only be able to speculate either through some kind of trickery or sorcery or possibly God allowed evil powers to perform these works. We're not in a position to determine and know this. But these magicians did something to cause Pharaoh to have no real special concern about God and about Moses. And the result of their work was to somehow convince Pharaoh to believe a lie. To convince Pharaoh to believe the lie that God was no more powerful than were his magicians and that God did not deserve to be obeyed. These magicians led Pharaoh to be confident in his error. They led Pharaoh to ultimately believe something that was untrue and to stand firm in what was wrong. And then let's look at Pharaoh's part. The Bible says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And I don't think this point needs to be belabored. Pharaoh viewed the situation and he simply made up his own mind not to do as God directed You see, to submit to God was too damaging to his power and to his prestige and to his prominence and vanity. And he just determined in his heart that he would not yield. Now, we need to realize that the day of hardened hearts is still with us, just like it existed in the New Testament times. And the warnings against hardening the heart are just as applicable today. I want to suggest to you tonight that God still has a part in the hardening of the heart. God today has given certain commands that he expects us to obey. There are commands that have to be obeyed in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, to become a member of the church, to receive salvation from sin. It's just like what we teach the kids at kids sing about how to become a Christian. We talk about the importance of faith in Christ. We emphasize the attitude of repentance, which involves a change of mind demonstrated by a change of life. One must then acknowledge with his mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then we know it's the act of baptism, Acts 22 and verse 16, whereby an individual is washed and cleansed from his sins. And then there are those commands to be obeyed after one has become a citizen of his kingdom. And these commands necessitate the making of a choice on your part and mine. And just like in the case of Pharaoh, often God's commands run contrary to our evil desires, our own behavior, our ambitions, and our determinations that we might have uh, as sinful people. You see, before one can live for the Lord, that individual has to surrender his will to God. Submission simply means the sacrificing of self to God to do his will. And many people today simply do not wish to submit to God because in our day and time many people prefer to do their own thing. Some today will even go so far as to deny the existence of God, to escape any obligation they may have, to respect the authority and the word of God, And I think that attitude lies at the root of atheism to a great degree. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ preached, acts very much like fire. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9 presents the word of God as a burning fire. Now we know that fire can melt wax, but fire can also harden clay. What it does depends upon the quality of the material that's brought before it. You see, the gospel can soften the heart of those that seek the truth. But the gospel can also harden the heart of that individual that wants to do his own thing and follow his own way. The gospel is, and the gospel is designed to be God's means of saving man. But if we reject it, It can become the means of our condemnation. And just as Jesus came into this world to save sinners, refusing to obey him, refusing to submit to his will, brings upon ourselves the wrath of God. We know the Bible says in John 3 and verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so each time the gospel is heard, it either softens or hardens. When it's heard, believed, and obeyed, it means spiritual life. And yet when it's heard and rejected, the result is spiritual death. So you see, God still plays a role in the hardening of the heart by simply requiring man to make a choice as to who will be his master. And the hearts of people are often hardened against the truth by those that teach them error and cause them to repudiate the truth. If the heart of man is filled with error, there's not going to be any room for truth. Indeed, the more error that one has in his heart the less open that heart is going to be to the truth. You see, one becomes prejudiced against the truth, closed to it, unwilling to even examine and investigate the evidence of the truth. And just like those magicians back in Pharaoh's day, just like those magicians caused Pharaoh to believe a lie, today, false teachers with Their false ideas and their false teachings cause people to also believe a lie. They labor under a strong delusion, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 11. Their consciences become seared and for this reason we must never allow ourselves to be led by the doctrines and the teachings of men. We always need to be willing to ascertain that what we believe and what we practice is founded on a thus saith the Lord. But then let me suggest as we close that people today still contribute to hardening their own hearts by placing more importance on what they think or how they feel or what they want or their own pleasures or their own ambitions and desires and pride rather than on the directions that God has given him in his word. We need to realize that, that man ultimately makes a choice in his own heart. He's not forced to make a choice. He chooses the direction that he wants to go and eventually it's possible for an individual to make himself beyond being molded and fashioned in the way of the Lord. One can become so hardened that the word of God will no longer have any effect at all in his thinking. And seeing how that the hardness of heart is developed, Noting the warnings that we have against the hardening of the heart, I think each one of us tonight need to ask ourselves, you know, what about my heart? I don't want to know about somebody else's heart. I want to look at my heart. Is my heart pliable? Is my heart soft? Is my heart receptive to the truth? Consider two words as we close, the words, Hearken and harden. The words hearken and harden sound alike in many ways, and yet they're very, very different. To hearken means to hear and to heed. To hearken means to have life here on this earth, abundant life and life with God in heaven. To harden means to hear but to reject. And the result is one's banishment into eternal condemnation. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 3 and verse 15, Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. Tonight, if you're subject to heaven's invitation, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.